Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. We've been running since 2016, lots of interviews with leading guitarists and guitar figures and also the Iconic series where I am joined by my friends Gabor Jessica. Hey Matt, hey Rob. And Rob Rhodes. Hey Matt, hey Gabor. And we have a good time talking about stuff. We've done a bunch of iconic albums and we've done a, a bunch of other themed shows which we're going to continue on with today. And Gabor, we're talking about signature gear. This was one of your ideas. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, well, uh, the idea is basically uh, what is your favorite signature gear? So it could be pedals, it could be amps, it could be guitars, it could be anything. And also, do you own any of it i guess and you know whether you do or you don't but it doesn't have to be ones that you own it could be also i've sort of made a subcategory for later down the track for really quirky signature gear that was released nice uh, and actually i've got a little sort of like a sub question that i that i just wanted to ask before we even start mm-hmm. like do you ever buy gear and that's whether it's signature gear or not, it doesn't have to be signature gear, but do you ever buy gear just because one of your favorite artists used it? Or have you ever bought gear just because whether it's signature gear or not, but it's gear that's known that your favorite artist use it? Uh, Matt, start with you. Whoa, I've, um, oh, I think my answer is no. I don't think I've bought gear because my favorite artist has got a signature piece of gear or just uses it. Um, I've yeah. got gear that people I'm into use. Like I've got a Crybaby Wah, but everyone's got a Crybaby Wah. True, true. Um, no, but I mean, any specific pedals. So, you know, like for example, I I, I bought one of the reasons why I bought a DS2 yeah. is because, you know, guys like Coco Bain used the DS2, John Frusciante uh, guitarist at the time that I really liked. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. They use it, so I may as well, I should get it to try it out. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's sort of what I'm getting at. Is that, Have you ever bought anything because you went, oh, this guy sounds great using it. I'm going to try using that same pedal. Sort of, guitar. kind of. It's more beside. I've got, um, you guys can't see much of it here. No one on the podcast can hear it anyway. Well, it's just banging on the wall. Well, you can now. hear it banging on the wall now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my Joe Pass Epiphone jazz box. So, oh, cool. I got this guitar because I was really getting into acid jazz, so not Joe Pass necessarily, although I loved his stuff. Um, but I was really into Ronnie Jordan, the stuff he was doing in the early 90s. And he was sort of on the edge of the that acid jazz mo- move, movement. Movement, that's the word. Uh, movement in the UK in the, in the early 90s. So I really wanted a hollow body to get that tone. Mm. Um, 
So there was no such thing as a Ronnie Jordan uh, signature model guitar. So I bought a Joe no. Pass. He used model. a lot of different types of guitars too. Yeah, he was like a semi guy. And live he played a Les Paul, but it sounded like a jazz box to me over hip hop mm. beats. So sort of, sort of, kind of. Yeah, more of a stylistic he, thing, I think. I saw him. I saw him uh, flukishly. I mean, this is totally unrelated, but yeah, yeah. I saw him flukishly in New York when, when my wife and wow. I went to New York. No way. We went into a bar randomly, and um, I d- had no idea who he was. Um, just went in there because we heard really cool music, and it was a cover. I don't know how much a cover charge was, but it wasn't mm-hmm. that much. But he was playing there. This was in 2000. Okay. Either 2002 or 2004, we went to yeah, New York right. both times. And flukishly, literally just flukishly walked in. He played, I'm pretty sure he played a, ben, was it a Benedetto? Is that like a jazz box? He was playing those around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yep. that's what he was playing. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, it was insane. And it was, I think it was just him by himself, maybe, from memory. With like, he was using um, samplers and loopers and stuff like that. Okay, cool. I think, um, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, it was, was one of those absolute total flukes. Just walked past the place, kind of went, "Oh, that sounds cool." Walked yeah, in, and then nice. I didn't. It wasn't until later that I found out who he was and that he was sort okay. of a, you know. Anyway, sorry, there you go. Got sidetracked. No, all good. <laughs> I, I saw him in ah uh, ninety three, ninety four at the Metro in Sydney. Okay. And it was amazing. It was amazing. But yeah, for me, the, the style of guitar, I was obsessed with the tone and it was the stylistic thing. So, sort of very that. Benson-esque. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what about you, Matt? How, how many how many pedals have you bought because um, your your um, influences uh, have, have used them or guitars or amps? Well, unless I change my name, I'm Rob, but... Um... <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said Matt. Matt, oh, the other one. The other oh, yeah, Matt, Matt. The other Matt. The other Matt. Um, Matt number two. Yeah. Rob, sorry, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm a total sucker for signature gear. I love it. Um, oh, cool. I cool, like cool. it because um, they kind of do all the improvements and modifications on a standard pedal that you'd probably want to do yourself. So whether okay, yeah. whether that's, you know, they fix the output impedance on a, you know, on a particular pedal or they put a mid-range control in there, or on a guitar they put a Floyd Rose, that, you know, on a standard Strat, or or whatever, whatever oh, the reason. Yeah, 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 amplifiers, same thing. They do all the mods that were done to their original Marshalls in the circuit, or any of that. So yeah, I, I love signature stuff. I think it's it's cool. You know what you're gonna get. I don't get it because I think it's gonna make me sound like that artist. So that's not. That's not my motivation for it because I'm, I do all my best to never sound like anybody. But um, yeah, I do it because I know exactly what I'm gonna get um, mm. when I get it because that's that sound. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big a big fan of signature stuff as we will discover through this chat. <laughs> cool. Alrighty then. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, then, how about I'll start off then with with um, uh, my my favorite signature gear that I own as well. So I, I'm the what I'm going through now is what I own. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be what you own, but I do own all this. And I'm going to start off with possibly the greatest signature pedal ever made in the history of the world. Here we go. There is no better pedal there <laughs> in the world. 
And it is the Miku Stomp, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you're going to say that. So it's the signature paddle for a Japanese anime character who I believe is a 16-year-old girl. I think that's how old she's meant to be. Uh, called Hatsune Miku. Uh, and the pedal has a whole bunch of different phrases on it. If, you, if, you, if you've never seen it before, go and check it. There's a lot of really, really funny. I think probably uh, my, my good friend Henning Pauli from HP42 has probably done one of the funniest videos you'll ever see. He dressed up like her, had the same <laughs> like wig and everything. It's so funny. It's a That's few years old now, man. but... Uh, watch it if you haven't watched it it is hilarious um basically you have all these different settings of different phrases she says um uh, it, it can be some of them are just sort of sounds other ones are full phrases or there's one that's like a scat one where she kind of just randomly picks things but the cool thing is you can also get an app on your phone that you then connect and you can you need to be able to speak Japanese or you need to – there are videos that will show you what you need to do if you don't speak Japanese. <laughs> but you can enter your own phrases into it and then it will speak your the phrases you've entered. Uh, it's just the greatest pedal ever, the most useless but greatest pedal ever. <laughs> so I just thought – uh, has have any of you guys had any experience at all with the Miku Stomp? Nope. Negatory. Oh, you're missing out, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's another one of those pedals, and I mention that all the time. When a lot of times when I play in cover bands, and you play the same songs week in, week out, three times a week, uh, and you just want to kind of put a smile on the other guys in the in the band's you know faces, um, you do a. <laughs> Whammy and Miku Stomp solo. <laughs> <laughs> I do that by changing and, the words to songs all the time. Well, That's you do that why, too. Yeah, you yeah. do that too. I do. I do a lot of that, and you, you, yeah, especially put really. Um, <laughs> you could put really obscene stuff in it and see if anyone reacts. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do anyway. Paying attention, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's for me to start off with the the uh, Miku Stomp. If anyone out there hasn't seen it yet, go check out the videos, especially Henning's video is fantastic. Um, I knew of uh, that pedal, but I never knew it was actually a signature from the anime show. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's this character, and and she uh, she's a she's a, like an anime a virtual anime character, and okay. I think she actually does full concerts where I think there's a live <clears throat> live band on stage and she's on a screen and it's a it's a particular Yamaha it's a uh, Yamaha some Yamaha voice thing that okay. is used that creates its synthesized uh, voice so it's not a real voice it's a synthesized voice that's being used to create her singing voice Okay. Um, and it's made by the pedals by Korg, isn't it? Who the are, pedal is made by Korg. Yeah. Who work but with think, Yamaha? There's a connection yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. And and um, okay. but yeah, it's some it's some Yamaha. I, I looked it up. I don't remember what it's exactly called, but it's some. There are three different um, uh, versions of that voice thing, and it they actually I think work together with Yamaha to create it. And so you have, as far as I know, you have a full live band on stage. And then you have the anime character who sings and performs is like a music person, anime person. I don't know. That's okay. as much as I know. <laughs> cool. But yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 an interesting signature pedal. 
yeah. it's the greatest signature pedal ever. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. What about you? The real um, Matt. <laughs> the real Matt. Okay. Um, well, the only other piece of signature gear I've ever owned was a Jerry Donahue preamp pedal made by Session. Wow. Um, cool. And again, I didn't buy it because of Jerry Donahue. I didn't really know much about him. He was in the Helicasters. Yeah. Um, so he's an amazing, amazing country player and has done a bunch of stuff. But back in when I got it, early 90s as well, I was just looking for a, a great overdrive pedal. Um, and it was the best one in the shop. It uh, had a had a, like an analog cab simulator, which oh, I used cool. a little bit. Not much, but it was kind of a cool feature, especially back then. Had a boost, had a boost. You had to turn on the boost with your finger, which was kind of stupid. Uh. So I, I eventually got it modded and got a second foot switch there. So I could turn a pedal on and off, could kick in the boost if I wanted it. And it's just a great sounding pedal. Had a, a three band EQ. Um, so really versatile and sounded great. So yeah, not inspired by the artist, but was just a fantastic pedal. He had a killer, actually, I think it was a PV signature telly at one stage like t yeah. style yeah yeah the fender uh, first and then pv ended up then a P- months, the PV, i've never played the fender but the, the the pv was a great guitar yeah wow really really good guitar very the, cool jerry Donnie, well there you go there's a there's a, a and i didn't even think about it but that yeah that was a great guitar too anyway nice. but jerry donahue all right, uh, the other Matt, <laughs> rob <laughs> all right okay so i kind of approached this from um I guess it's like revolutionary signature okay, equipment. Yeah. So you can approach it whichever yeah. way you want. It doesn't have to, like I said, it doesn't have to be what you own. So being the big Eddie fan that I am, I just the overall uh, signature of EVH on gear. So the the one piece of gear I owned first was the fifty one fifty two twelve sixty watt combo. And that thing very, was very, very heavy. Combo. The fridge, yeah, it was like lugging <laughs> a fridge around. Um, yeah, ama- like just an amazing amp, fantastic, back, absolutely yeah. backbreaker, but super versatile. Like it had a quite a decent clean channel, like the clean we always talk about that edge of breakup clean, not super clean, and definitely not a fender clean. Um, no. But gain on tap for days, like just so much you could do anything. And at the time I had it, I was playing. A lot of heavy rock, a lot of um, late 90s, early 2000s pop rock, and it just suited everything. Um, Mm. And then I had an Axis Sport guitar as well at the time, which was the evolution of the Music Man EVH. Yeah. Um, And but just from a from a signature standpoint, Eddie has always played the stuff that had his name on it. You know, he had the amps. He had the guitars. He had um, the Converse. The Converse. The, you know, at the end. <laughs> the overalls. Yeah. At the end, you know, like the MXR pedal range, which I've mentioned I have two of those on my board. I have the Phase 90 and the Flanger. Um, yeah. But down to his signature Celestians, um, the PV Wolfgang and now the EVH Wolfgang. Um, yeah, I just think... I'm not going to say he was the first because I'll I'll sort of, for me, I'll talk later about what I thought the first signature kind of stuff was. But, um, yeah, for me, EVH, the quality's there. I've never had an issue with anything I've owned. 
owned by that. And yeah, you can you know what you're going to get. So EVH for me is stuff I've owned, stuff I love, and stuff I'll buy again. And cool. I'm, I've cool, got cool, no cool. endorsement or affiliation with Fender or EVH unless they want to. <laughs> well, yeah, we're all we're all we're all open to these things. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to <laughs> be affiliated with call, us, uh, please uh, uh, email uh, Matt and uh, <laughs> let us know. Guitarspeakpodcast um, at gmail dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The EVH stuff. I've, I've all the stuff I've played. Uh, I always always liked. Always thought it was good. I actually just had the for the first time. I. Um, I've got a chance to try one of the um, the new fifty one fifty iconic iconic series. Yeah. yeah, one of the combos. The music shop you had it. Great. Well, they should game. sponsor us. We should we should get on in on this. Absolutely iconic. Yeah. Well, there you go. It only has one twelve AX seven, doesn't it? Is that the one? Because I think a lot of amps are going that way. Like the angle, the last angle series. There's one twelve AX seven. Most of the overdrivers. You know, circuitry. Circuitry, yeah. possibly. I don't know. I didn't look into that that much, but um, they had one of the combos there, and I, I just thought I'd try it out. I had, I was in between students, and I tried it out, and it sounded really, really good. I'm going to correct myself a, just in case uh, I am incorrect because I haven't seen them or played them. But Well, I know my the, the angle head I've got, which is one of the newer ones, which is the Ironball SE, has got two or three, I think, preamp. Yeah. So they've got more than the one, but uh, I know there's a lot of a lot of that circuitry is going on. I know, I mean, Dumble did a lot of that stuff where he had he had um, uh, like almost pedal circuitry going into the preamp. Yeah, the MI has um, that. No, the Iconic has two um, twelve AX sevens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really actually I, I I haven't had a chance to try one, but I, I love the look of the. The new, um, I think they're called the fifty one fifty guitars. The EVH fifty one fifty. There's a Wolfgang, which is the kind of yeah. little bit like the old Music Man kind of shape, with the again bottle opener headstock. Yeah, like the PV Wolfgang. <laughs> the the PV. Like like oh yeah, that's yeah. right. And then the ones that look like the old Kramer. Yeah. Um, I do the like Beretta, the Beretta. Um, is it the Beretta? The one that you was yeah, on? whatever. Yeah. Yes, the pink. The pink. All right. Well, I'll 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 go to my my second one, uh, and I'll go to a, a a different sort of weird looking guitar, and I'm going to the Ibanez Paul Gilbert Fireman. Oh, I love that guitar. <laughs> I was just looking at the purple one um, on Reverb last night, thinking, hmm, I'm going to sell my Firebird. Maybe that's the Fireman is a step up from the bird to the man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just bird change man. the species. Bird man. Firebird man. <laughs> I, I had this down as well, Gabor, as one of my... I've, I've got like a little trio of Ibanez guitars I think are cool, so the, the Fireman's one of them for sure. Okay. Well, I've got... Because I have one of the the, the first, um, the red ones, the... Um, is it FRM10? I think it's maybe the FRM10. Ah. Uh, in red with the three single coils. Nice. Um, Tortoise, it's a, such a cool guitar. Tortoiseshell pickup. I mean, Tortoiseshell yeah. pickup with... Yeah, red tortoiseshell pickup with the red... red um, Sort of translucent body, yeah. Um, really chunky neck, um, uh, jumbo frets. Uh, it's a cool guitar. I always say jokingly, it's my favorite strat because mm. <laughs> it's got the three, 
the three single coils. Nice. And he did the thing where he angled them the other way because he said, yeah. um, well, Jimi Hendrix had it that way. So Maybe yeah. that's the um, solution to my strat problem right there, a fireman. Fireman. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, a, I, I always loved the Iceman as well. That's sort of what, what was one of my favourite um, shapes and, you know, flipping it over. And I like Paul Gilbert. He's a, he's a, he's a cool dude. Yeah, as well. absolutely. Always yeah, interesting. Yeah. So this is another, we were talking about flipped reverse designs back when we were talking about the, the oddball Gibsons. Gibson stuff. Yeah. So this, are we giving it the reverse thumbs up? Because we, we said then some designs you just shouldn't reverse. I give it a thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up. I think it looks good in both directions. <laughs> yeah, I give it a thumbs up. I can't tell if Rob's giving a thumbs up or yeah, Rob, a reverse. Sure. What's the reverse it, thumbs up? Because that'd be a thumbs yeah. down. So you've got to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he he could have had a stroke then, but I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> you know, my contortionist on Zoom. Wow. Um, so Rob, I, do you I, like I, it or not? I couldn't. <laughs> I love. I love the fireman. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I love the Iceman too. It both yeah. look, look great. I think they're just and and he also flipped the headstock around, so it's not just the yeah the, the body. It's the whole, everything full flip. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a killer guitar. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's my my second one, Matt. Your second one. Well, I'm going to talk about strats. One one thing's an observation, another thing's a a, a new signature strat, which I think is really cool. So, okay. An interesting thing um, when we're talking about Fender, and we, again, we spoke about Gibson a couple of episodes ago, really had that lull in the 70s and, and the 80s. Fender had the same kind of vibe. Uh, eventually, CBS ownership was bought out by a bunch of people who essentially worked at the factory and were in management. Yeah. And one of the big things that turned Fender around, they, they started signature models, so the Clapton yeah. Strat and the Yngwie Malmsteen, yeah. um, I mean, that wasn't the only thing that turned things around, but that was that was one of the initiatives. And now, you know, you, you shake a tree and six Fender Strat <laughs> signature guitars fall out, and and they're all probably great. They're all probably cool. So so there's that. So in terms of Strat signatures, uh, the Corey Wong Strat came out last year, 2021. Oh. And uh, I've been on a bit of a Corey Wong kick for a while, so uh, love the Wolfpack stuff. I've started listening to his podcast. He's um, he's a really Wong good notes. interviewer. Wong notes, mate. His, his TV show over lockdown, his YouTube show is oh flawless, like unbelievable, yes. so good, yeah, 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 crazy yeah. good. If anyone's seen it, go check it out. It's brilliant. Yeah. Oh man, <sighs> he's he he's just he's hyperactive. Yeah, obviously. He's yeah. got. He's always got so much on the go, but he's fantastic. He's amazing. So, as I intimated, yeah, there's a there's a gazillion Strat signature models. To me, they're all very very similar. They are. Um, I mean, with Will Ever Player quirks, they've got my 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 Gosbull Strat, which is a couple of years old now. Um, is just my couple little tweaks on the way I like a Strat. So I get it that people are doing and not messing with the recipe too much. But thing I like about the Corey Wong Strat. Uh, it does. It does push against the the norm a little bit. So the body, in Corey Wong's own words, it's three to five percent smaller than smaller, a normal yeah. strap body. And I read that and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. But listening to his podcast the other day, he was he had Steve Vai on, and Steve Vai is a big fan. He was asking Corey Wong questions, 
So the body's smaller. Most people knew that. The headstock is actually 3 to 5% larger than the standard headstock. I did That's not where know the that. tone comes from. That's where the tone comes from. Yeah. Uh, maybe. That's where the funk comes from. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start. That's let's why start bigger headstocks. Comments coming in. The, the late 60s, 70s headstock is, is the winner for me with Fenders. Yeah. I love them. You like the big yeah. ones? Big yeah. The spaghetti big logo. Yeah. I love the spaghetti logo on the telly, or the, is it the block logo? Which one's which one's the CBS logo? Oh, so I think the the one you're talking about is like on the telly deluxes, right? So it's kind of like a yeah, fatter yeah, yeah. black logo, yeah. and then the seventies one kind of has like it's black, but then it's got the uh, like the outline around the outside, like the yeah, spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah, interesting. So, um, yeah, so the Corey Wong strap looks cool. It's got a compound radius neck, which I really like. Got one, I've got one on my warm-up neck. And it's got the push-pull pot just to lock, lock the pickups into that fourth position. Yeah, yeah. Because that's all he wants <laughs> for so much of his stuff. He's just got that shut down into it's, that position. It's interesting. The guitar it's sort of based on and that he played most of the time is a, is a Highway 1, a blue. Yeah. We had exactly the same guitar in the shop. At, at uh-huh. the music shop where I worked for ages no one wants to buy it and then it uh, the guy who owns the shop in the end bought it and self-relicked it okay. uh, but it was actually a really good guitar um, the, the the first Highway Ones when it first came out which were yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of the, the the at the time the cheapest US made strats yeah yep. that was sort of the bottom of the line with the, with the matte finish and a uh, you know, everything stripped down. And it was actually quite a nice guitar. But yeah, so he had that. And if you, it's all like gaffer tape, the, the you know, the switch. So it yeah, stays yeah. in one position. Yeah. Because yeah. he has that quite elaborate hand movement when he picks Man. too. His yeah. right hand is yeah. unbelievable. I reckon yeah. he missed the opportunity to have an onboard compressor built into it. Yeah. Because you know? that's his sound. Just like yeah. the Corey Wong button, dunk, and it turns a yeah. compression circuit on. Doesn't he have a? Didn't he just have a signature compressor come out? He had a distortion pedal and a compressor or something. He's like got that, an overdrive he? from what was the company? Um, Jackson. Jackson. Jackson Audio. Audio. Yeah. Jackson Audio. With, yeah. Which is like a tube screamer and clone um, style thing. Clone but style, if you hit yeah. both pedals, you get an EQ. EQ in yeah. it as well. Mm. But didn't he also have a? Clever. Wasn't there also a compressor? Hang on. Um, Wolfpack have, have a Wolfpack have a compressor plugin that you can buy. Oh yeah, they do, which site. is really good actually. They've also got their own fonts you can buy. Oh wow, cool. Type letters and things. <laughs> right set list. Yeah. Well, my number two is similar to yours, Matt. Very similar. Yeah. Because I went. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I went with the Eric Clapton Strat. Um, because I feel like even though Fender's sort of had a Hank Marvin tribute. Um, signature Squire back in the day when Japan first started making the Silver Series. Um, Uh I felt like the Clapton Strat was the birth of the signature model for Fender because he played it, it was everywhere, it was in every ad, it was about the lace sensor pickups, all of that sort of stuff. And then it blew up from there. Um, And then Fender had this boom period with the SRV, the Robert yeah. Cray, the Buddy Guy, the Rory Gallagher, the Malmsteen mm. and Bonnie Raitt yeah. um, to a lesser extent. But my dream 
signature model was the Sambora Strat. Like oh, it was ah, with the with the star inlays. Star Stars. inlays, Floyd Rose, Half Pro in the bridge, the two Texas specials, and you could get it in the um Arctic white or the cherry burst. And nice. oh like I played it at the AIM show when we used to have like Australia's version of NAM at the yeah. convention center at Darling Harbour. And I yeah. played one there yeah. and I it was my dream to get it. But they were like three and a half grand in the nineties, which you know that was a lot of money. And there's one on Reverb at the moment. The guy wants eleven and a half. I'm not saying it's not worth that. I'm just wow. saying I wouldn't pay that. But that's what they're going no. for. Um, yeah. Right. To, so you know that was my kind of dream, and that's sort of my second iconic signature gear was the Fender signature thing, which is yeah the same as you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. It was a friend a big of deal. mine. A friend of mine has one, and uh, he played in a band that we played. My band and his band played together a lot back. This is back in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, and yeah, he loves it. That's his that's his his baby. That's been his baby for a long time, and I've played it a few times. They're not a good guitar, mm. but yeah, the star the star in star in lace. Come on, <laughs> yeah, they were cool. And I love the uh, the Kramer New Jersey, which was before he yeah. had the Fender thing going on too. That would yeah. cool. I'm one of those. I don't like pointy headstocks. Sorry, that's a Kramer. I love the Kramer, the three pickups, the hockey stick. The, yeah, that the pointy headstock on that guitar. Point, yeah, I've never been into the pointy thing nah. either. Oh. I'm on board. Right, well, I'm on board with the pointy. If we're talking Fender, and if we're talking Fender signature guitars, uh, yeah. one of one of my favorite Fender signature guitars, and the guitar that got me into the type of guitars that I probably like the most now. Uh, is the Elvis Costello Jazzmaster. So that was my first Jazzmaster. Uh, yeah. So that's another one that I put on the list. Um, it really got me into Jazzmasters. Uh, it was the first one I bought, uh, and it started this sort of stupidity I have now with Jazzmasters where <laughs> everything is Jazzmaster-shaped. Um, but it was at the time for me. Um, so I think Fender only sort of just sort of slowly started reissuing Jazzmasters and Jaguars because they were quite out of favor for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, you could really only get them in either sunbursts or maybe like white or black, you know, those kinds of colors, like solid colors. And uh, I just remember when I saw the Elvis Costello Jazzmaster in that uh, sort of translucent kind of, it's meant to be a walnut stain. It's an ash body, but with a walnut stain. Is it ash or is it... It may not be ash. I don't know. Whatever wood it is, um, with a walnut stain on it, and I just thought it looked so good. And I was looking for ages because they only made them for about a year. It was like a very a fairly limited um, thing. And I found one secondhand uh, here on the Sunshine Coast, and I went and checked it out. And even my wife said, "Oh, that look looks good. You should get that." Which was probably one of the only times ever my wife said, <laughs> "You should t- just get it. It's really nice." <laughs> So that's uh, so okay. Now, jazz masters. Yeah. Not talking signatures. Not talking anything. Have ha, how much experience have you guys had with playing jazz masters, if any? Zero for me. No experience. Oh, you're missing out, man. That's why you're playing that Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very limited for my. I mean, I've got the Pat Keegan Telly Masters, but they're essentially yeah. Tellys in the body of a of a 
sort of an offset. Um, Mark Osborne, though, my other friend who builds guitars, who built my Strat style, he's um, he's right into them. So he's built some amazing ones, and he's got the Johnny Marr one. Oh, that's a cool guitar. That's someone. Oh, yeah, that's so one I would good. like to so get good. my hands on. So. Uh, I think I'm totally with 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 Rob there. I think Fender has really. I, I mean, they've gone maybe almost a little bit too far recently, but they've really the whole signature thing is that sort of become something. They've made it what it is now. I think Fender. They've really introduced the world to um, this idea of signature guitars and signature instruments and better than anyone else. And anyway, for me, the, the Elvis Costello it sort of started me on this journey of of everything now has to be jazz master shaped that I get and make. And, <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. All right, Matt, back to you. Next one. Is that me, the real Matt? Yes, the real Matt. <laughs> okay, good. Um, cool. I've got a couple of Ibanez guitars. I had the Fireman in there, which we talked about. Um, I'm going to say the Ibanez, the Steve Vai Gem. An iconic shredder, man. I mean, as iconic as it gets, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when these came out and the Ibanez RG came out around the same time. I don't know which influenced which, but I remember going to Venue Music at Parramatta and just looking at the RGs on the wall and thinking that is the coolest looking guitar ever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that anymore. Like, my, you know, my tastes have changed a bit, but I just thought they looked amazing, um, so futuristic and, and edgy and... Uh, no pun intended on the tremolo system. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought also I ended up owning a, an 80s RG for a while and it sounded amazing, but I hated playing it because it had those super thin wide the wizard necks. necks. Yeah, yeah, I, I like a thick wide neck. So it, was, it was halfway there. Bon Jovi. So, um, <laughs> podcast with but two thing... Bon Jovi. Uh, wow, yes, man. <laughs> we're on a winner here, and this one's. It's gonna. We just need to be done with it. Slippery when wet. Iconic <laughs> album. We're just gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, but the Steve Vai man, it was amazing because Steve Vai at the time it came out in '87. He had a couple of independently released, or maybe on Relativity. He had the flexible albums, but really, he was really just known as a sideman. Well, not just, but you know, he played with um, Zappa. Zappa. And yeah. and obviously the, the David Lee Roth thing was blowing up at that stage. And Alcatraz. Alcatraz, oh, and Alcatraz, yeah. yeah, yeah, replaced Ungvi, Ingve. Um, but really, to get a, a, a solo, a, an artist guitar, then is pretty, pretty amazing. So, just yeah, just the, the fluoro colors, the, the floral green the, stuff, the, 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 the handlebar. I mean, the, mon the, the monkey, monkey bar, grip. Like a yeah, monkey grip. Like today, I don't know how cool that is, but in 1987, <laughs> nothing was cooler than that monkey grip, yeah. And the vine, the, the vine inlay too? The vine inlay, yeah, all, all that stuff. So it was pretty cool. And again, Ibanez went bonkers with the promotion and um, saturated. Saturated? Uh, guitar magazine. Saturated. Hey! hey. <laughs> oh, the puns, the puns. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the saturator is the Vox signature pedal, of course. Yes. It wasn't yes, on yes. my list, but I just threw it in there. So, yeah, Steve Vai I thought was amazing. Um and the um, the George Benson, the GB30, which was the smaller body uh, one. They they built a larger body one later in his career, but um, they started building those in '85. So, wow. I, I guess Ibanez it. too. That under the 
under the radar, there there were a few Ibanez signature models, but Steve Miller. It didn't seem to explode. Yeah, Steve Miller. Uh, well, was, he had an Iceman too. That, that was he had a, an Iceman and an Iceman artist shape. as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I, I used to have a GB10. Yeah. I had a GB10. Um, oh, really? George Benson, yeah, for for a long, long time. And then sadly, I, I, um, uh, you know, needed to pay some bills and stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I just didn't use it enough. And I thought, oh, I'd, I'd rather have someone play it who actually knows how to play sure. it. Sure. Um, and was that the big hollow body one? No, no, the GB10 was a small one. That was the, oh, the um, small one as well. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, quite a small body. Um, yep. That's sort of the, his main one, the, the GB10. Um, yeah, maybe I've got the number wrong then. I'm th- oh, that's I think I'm the 30 was the bigger body one, actually. Okay. Um, well, it's a bigger number, sure. so that makes sense. Um, and the, and I used to even get, I used to go as far as buying the Tomastic um, George Benson ah, signature strings. The only thing I found, and this is, it's I, I you know, this I don't know why this happened or not, but... You buy his signature strings in his signature gauge, which was 13 to 56, 58, like quite heavy flat wound yeah. strings, right? Um, and so there were two sizes. There were 13s and 14s, right, wow. that you could buy, wow. the two gauges in flat wounds. Um, and neither of them, the low E, would fit into the tailpiece on the guitar. You had to actually on a tomato, uh, I don't know, I don't know if, You've used tomastic strings much in the past, any of you guys, but they have this kind of, um, um, it's like a fabric-y kind of wrap around. Like bass strings. Like bass, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a lot of bass strings. Um, And you had to actually, I had to cut the fabric off Mm. around where the, the, um, the, the ball end is on the string to be able to fit it into the tailpiece. So his signature series guitar I couldn't mm, put the signature series strings in it because the, the the little slot on a tailpiece wasn't big enough. Just throwing it out there, Ibanez. Maybe you there should you do something about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, a couple of Ibanez guitars I thought were kind of cool. They make ta- they make tons of cool stuff, Ibanez. Yeah. There was a, uh, the Omar Rodriguez Lopez signature they did as well, which is a kind of offsetty kind of looking one with a one pickup. Yeah, what was that guitar called that it was based on? Oh, was it the R-M? Jet King? Jet King, yeah, it came from the Jet King. That's it. Yeah, That's it. yeah, I like those. They look cool. Yeah, yeah. The GB10 is the smaller body one. Okay, uh, and then okay. the GB30 was the bigger one. Okay, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, I'm going for the small one. And then they, did, they even did the one that was uh, all gold plated, that gold leaf plated one for his special anniversary one. Fancy. Well, you know who loves a gem. Friend of the show, Mr. Peter North Northcote, who uh, yeah, 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 yeah mate, yeah. he flies the flag proudly and greatly yeah. for that guitar. He's got one of the old ones too with the Paf Pros. So yeah. another shout out to our favourite Demasio. Paf Pros. Ah. Well, should we quickly do uh, some of the uh, audience questions? Yeah, uh, or listeners' questions, or whatever yep. you want to call them, and then have a short break. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, here we go. Grant Rennie wants to know what is our what was our first musical memory? Good question, Rob. Um, mine is probably spinning vinyl records with my dad and playing air guitar on a squash racket. 
Um, nice. For the kids out there, squash <laughs> cool. is a game you play in a little court <laughs> with a tiny little racket and a tiny little ball, like hard rubber ball. Squash doesn't really exist anymore. Um, well, the, it's a shame. I know, it's, it's, it's a good very game. good game. It was very popular back in the day. Yeah, it was huge. Um, my first live music memory is probably of um, at my local pub, the old soloists and duos that used to come in and play on Thursday night, of which one was Mr. Terry Murray. Now, t- oh. Terry Murray is a fantastic guitar player and yeah. from the band The Far Gone Beauties, mm. and he was also the musical director for Doug Mulray's show on Triple M. Mm. Um and they're the things, and there was another duo which I I can't remember who it was, but there was a guy that looked like Andre the Giant who played guitar, and his duo partner was in a wheelchair, and he sung oh, wow. and played harmonica, and they were amazing. But my the thing that I took away from that was, and Terry Murray as well, was how they would change the lyrics to all the songs. Okay. And like to something dirty or something funny or just, you know, and I've taken that with me. It's something I've kept and used myself, but that's where yeah. I was first exposed to it from those two It shows guys. if people pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> and back then everyone used to pay attention. Um, yeah. But it also taught you that um, you only have to change one or two words to make it funny. Or to oh, get yeah. attention. If you try to change a whole line, and I was having this conversation with my keyboard player Justin the other day, if you try and get smart and sing a whole like phrase or a whole verse, different words, no one will pick up on it. It's just the no. one or two little bombs you drop that um, that are so effective. But yeah, they're yeah. my Absolutely. earliest musical memories. Nice, nice, Gabor. Me, uh, okay. Well, uh, I grew up in a household where my parents never really listened to music. The only time we ever really listened to music, if at all, was in the car, if we went somewhere. And I remember they had one or two cassette tapes back in those days in the car that they always played. Uh, One was uh, ABBA. I don't remember which ABBA album, but it was ABBA. And the other one was an album that had sort of disco versions of classical songs. <laughs> it was Hooked on classics. Early 80s. Was it Hooked on Classics? Sorry? That's what that was massive. Maybe at the that's time. what it was. Yeah. I remember the cover had like I think it had like Treble Clef? Like neon kind of looking writing on it. Yeah, and a, I think yeah. it was a neon treble clef or something. Maybe it was even yeah. that. Yeah, maybe it was even that. When yeah. we listened to that yeah. in the car, yeah, that's, wow. that, that's my earliest memory. Live music uh, was the first concert I ever went to was, uh, I think I talked about it once before, was Falco uh, in Vienna on the Danube <laughs> Island, or Dorna Insel as it's called over there. That's awesome. Uh, which was on June 27, 1993. And you can watch that show uh, on YouTube and lightning hits the stage and all the power goes off. Wow. And it's wow. bucketing down, raining. And I, I just looked it up, 150,000 people in the audience. Wow. Big concert. So what that's my the, first live concert. That's amazing. What was the big Falco hit? Uh, Rock Me Amadeus. Oh. Amadeus, Amadeus. He was the Austrian guy. Amadeus, the Amadeus. Austrian guy who had big hits all the, the uh, all around the world. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that Very Rock cool. Me Amadeus. Very cool. What about you, Matt? Uh yeah, two, two, both um both involved my mother actually. So first one, um 
I was three or four. I was in hospital for an extended period. I had um, I was having a kidney removed, Ooh. which uh, ah. yeah, which which worked out okay. The because I had a spare one, so that was fine. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, I can't donate a kidney now, obviously, to buy a uh, a poor Ed Smith. That's the only problem. Oh. So um. But yeah, so my mother used to come in you know, every day. This was before Ronald McDonald House. You know, you couldn't, parents couldn't stay at the hospital, that sort of thing. But um, she came in and we were building a, um, a musical instrument using a, a cornflakes box and, and, you know, a long paper roll thing, some elastic bands. And the nurse came in and said, are you making a banjo? I said, no, I'm making a guitar. And uh, so that was that. That was, that, was, that was a nice little moment. I don't know why it was a guitar. It wasn't really a guitar. Um, even though it wasn't a banjo. And then the other <laughs> musical memory is um, got ABBA, like similar to you, Gabor. So ah. in 1976, ABBA Arrival came out. That's the cool album where they're sitting in the helicopter on the helicopter, cover. Helicopter, yeah. Yeah, man. So like my big brother got that on vinyl for Christmas. So I remember sitting and, and pulling out the lyrics and I must have been five or six then and... Uh, you know singing what? along th- with me and my th- mom singing the ABBA songs. It was a good time. You know what? I think that was the album my parents had in the car too, the ABBA, uh, but on cassette. A lot of people had that record. Arrival, yeah. yeah. Great record. And back to, your, so there you go. back to your building that guitar out of cardboard. Didn't we talk about that on on our episode of the Guitar Speak podcast, is putting on the Ritz? Like, <laughs> up in on the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing, like made guitars out of so. cardboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's classic. Yeah. There you go. Good times. Cool. Good question. Thanks. Thanks, Grant Rennie. I know Grant Rennie, actually. I taught him guitar for many, many years. So it was nice to see him in cyberspace and uh, ask that question. If anyone's got a listener question, please send them in, guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com or um, find us on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, wherever. All right. So, Gabor, did you want to take a break and we'll come back? Let's take a break and talk more our favorite signature gear. Cool. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, welcome back. We are talking signature gear, cool stuff, quirky stuff, whatever. Gabor's brought this topic to us and we're having a lot of fun with it. Yes. Thank you, Gabor. All right, so favorite signature gear. So uh, I think we were up to uh, Matt's before. Not Matt's, the other Matt, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting late. I'm old and tired. Uh, so Rob, the other Matt. <laughs> yeah, so mine is... Uh, what's next on your yeah, list? Yeah, mine's, again, similar to EVH, but it's the not as the artist was never involved in any of the development of this stuff, obviously, but the Jimi Hendrix, like, range of... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Signature. So Jim Dunlop stuff. And- yeah, but it started... I think Dunlop, Jim Dunlop was making them, but they were mm. all branded Jimi Hendrix. So that very first lot, there was the Thomas Organ, um, Jimi Hendrix Wah, but then there were the little pedals, like the MXR style ones that were branded Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and from memory, there was 
the Octafuzz, and then was a Univibe, I think, and then there was a Fuzzwa and a Jimi Hendrix branded, like, the landmine fuzz face, and it was black, like matte black. Um, And then over the years we saw, you know, the JH1 got revisited in the Vox style cabinet and then all the Jimi Hendrix MXR pedals got reissued and then the mini series came out and then the god-awful Digitech Jimi Hendrix experience won the (laughs) multi-effects thing. Yeah. But, but it came in a really nice purple bag. Like, bag. Yeah, 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 crushed velvet. With a, and with it had a, all the sounds in it, man. It had all of them in there, yeah. All of them. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think he, his influence on guitar and then on what happened subsequent to his death has had a huge impact from, you know, Fender doing Jimi Hendrix signature models and Gibson doing a Hendrix signature flying V and um, just, yeah, all of that. They're they're some of my favourite signature models to kind of look at and they're good for what they do to get that particular sound. And they're affordable too, which people, you know, you want to get into prescription electronics you know, the experience, Octafuzz and all of that. They were really starting mm. to get up there in price and, oh yeah, you know, the Chicago, is it Chicago Iron, the Tyka Bray stuff and all of that's really expensive to get. But these give you, if you're into Hendrix, you can get into it and do, get those sounds with good quality affordable pedals. So, yeah, the, the Hendrix range is one of my favourites and I've owned a lot of them over the years and they deliver on what they promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. All right, I'm going to change it up ever so slightly now because mm. uh, uh, you know we're, we're getting on with time here. So sure. uh, some quirky stuff. I mean, you guys can just do. You don't have to do quirky stuff, but there's a couple of quirky signature um, things that I that I that I looked at. Uh, probably one of the quirkiest of all uh, would have to be the PV Wiggy amp. Yes. Now the Wiggy uh, was done in collaboration with Dweezil Zappa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember it. And, and it's just a cool uh, – I've, I've been looking for one for such a long time. They're so hard to find um, in Australia anyway. But Wasn't there so, one on eBay maybe a year or so ago? I think I remember you and Alex talking about it. Maybe we're talking about it, but maybe it was ridiculously priced as well. Yeah, I don't know. Right, but right. So the, the, the idea behind the PV Wiggy was uh, – so okay, not looking aesthetically now. We'll get to the aesthetics in a second. Okay. <laughs> um, so there was apparently a, a transistor style, a, a transistor amp that was either a bass amp or an acoustic guitar amp that Frank used to use uh, in the studio very often in conjunction with either his Marshalls or his Carvin amps to have that. It was a transistor amp that he used sort of together with the, the valve amps. Um, and, uh, 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 um, Dweezil found that amp and liked the idea of it and wanted to kind of reproduce it to a certain degree. So he went to PV and they looked at, at the time, PV had their TransTube series, which is the sort of, I think it's the kind of thing, um, where it was a, um, uh, a transistor preamp, but you had, uh, actual tube power amp. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Sort of one of those hybrid amps, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was based on that trans tube technology, but with special modifications that Dweezil did. And what he was saying, one of the things that uh, with Frank's, that amp that Frank was using, um, it, it had a really unique overdrive sound when you cranked it. But the thing that he really liked about it is that when you had the overdrive going, it was super pick dynamic and super responsive to the volume control on the guitar mm-hmm. where you you turn a volume down on the guitar and it would have this really thick, rich, warm, clean sound all of a sudden instead of the kind of almost fuzzy overdrive. And using that in conjunction with the tube amp, he said it sort of brought out some really interesting sounds. So that was the idea behind it, right? So he developed it with PV and it was basically this sort of transistor amp um, that had really disgusting sounding fuzzy cut. There was also a compressor and a fuzz circuit after the power amp section in it. <laughs> um, and it, it was it had lots after. of controls. It wow. had l- lots of controls. Um, and he said a lot of people um, don't quite get it because they don't have a foot switch because you can't change channels without the foot switch. Mm-hmm. And if you just turn it on without the foot switch, it's stuck on the lead channel, which just sounds like a really fuzzy, disgusting thing and you can't do anything else with it. So you need the foot switch. Um, now, aesthetically, for whatever reason, yeah. <laughs> he went to, apparently, there was an old Aston Martin GT car that was hanging around where Frank lived, where he lived, around his house, uh, which was a blue Aston Martin. So apparently it's reminiscent of an Aston Martin dashboard. Yeah. Uh, now, none of the controls say what they do. Uh-huh. Awesome. <laughs> so you've got, a, you've got one that is a speedometer. One is the, the, your, your revs. Uh, then you have sliders, and all the sliders says more and less. It doesn't tell you what they are. <laughs> oh, and that's have, great. That's great. More have, is better. Have, more is better. You have uh, a, like an oil gauge. You have and none of them actually say what they actually do. <laughs> wow. And the actual gauges, so you turn it, and it's sort of a, a, like a needle turns and moves. Oh, that's so funny. Um, which also a lot of people look at it and just go, what the hell is going on? Uh, it also has hazard lights. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you need hazard lights, <laughs> and it's all backlit as well. So all the it's like backlit, like a yeah, you know, like nice. it would have in a in a dashboard. I just think it's super cool, um, uh, you know, to do something like that, and for PV to go, yeah, sure, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, PV get um, PV get bagged out a bit, but they they've come up with a lot of cool stuff. They did some really cool stuff. And, I mean, a lot of the guitars back in the days when they were made in the US, they were really good guitars. Yeah, like this, yeah. you talked about the Jerry Donahue one, but the Steve Cropper guitar was really good too. Oh, and yeah, Nathan yeah. Cavalieri had a signature PV yep. um, in his, you know, heyday, in his early, yeah. let's say early days. In his hey, heyday. Yeah, that's right. So, boom, yeah. boom. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. While we're doing bad puns. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so anyway, so the, the PV Wiggy, that was one I just thought would be interesting to kind of bring up. And and I think, yeah, a lot of people just look at it as a, what's this weird transistor amp, but you're meant to use it in conjunction with a tube amp um, mm-hmm. and it gives you interesting sounds. So that's a quirky one. All right, mm. back to you, Matt, the real Matt. Okay, is that me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just a doormat. The Wiggy. 
The wiggy looks awesome too, by the it's way. It's such a cool looking M in it. Matching cab. It looks matching cab in a two by twelve cab. Yeah, it looks really cool. I've actually played an amp with the where you don't know what the, the dials do, and I can just say it's not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> no. And especially because that one, it has a lot of dials as well. Because you have a um you have a, a, a normal EQ, then you have a the sliders are like a post EQ, kind of like on a Mesa Boogie style thing. Okay, yeah. But you have yeah. compression. You have a compressor on it. You have different input gain circuits. You have, um, um, oh, you've got a high octane and low octane input, which is your high impedance, low impedance input. You've got, um, and you've got a fuzz circuit and stuff afterwards. So there's lots of stuff on it, and none of it says what it is. So it's great. <laughs> I, I, I think that's fantastic. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, and Dweezil's super cool. He's he Dwe- awesome. If if anyone hasn't watched the um, the video he did with Gibson where they go through all the with Mark Nisi where they go at his studio and they go through all his guitars, there's so much cool stuff there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I was gonna just say I'm gonna drop my last one off that I had and talk about okay, cool, cool, weird cool. quirky amps. And I'm going to throw the Randall Nuno Betancourt, the NB King, yeah. into the for a weird, quirky-looking signature model. I I, I owned quirky. one, and um, yeah, it was killer. But it was such a weird kind of left of field. It had a, a a VU meter in it, and it just it had a great look, but it was super quirky. Um, but typical of Nuno, you know, it just looked. It was it's one of the coolest looking amps ever, but it's oh, yeah. super weird. And with the, the cabinet matching cabinet, yes, the they split, looked really good together. The split yeah. down the middle and the, and his little tattoo symbol on it. Um, oh wow, I'm looking it up now. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's a cool looking. And it was amp, designed yeah. by Peter King, who's Australian. Um, he's a Perth guy, and um, yeah, it just it was a killer, quirky signature model, which you know is. On brand for Nuno because the N4 is a little bit out there from the norm at the time. And now he's got the Nelly, which is like his yeah. signature Telecaster. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. With that same neck joint. Yeah, the Stevens yeah. extended cutaway. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was, that's a really cool, quirky signature amp as well. That's unreal. Rob, you've got an – is it an N4? The guitar? Well, yeah, technically it is. So the Washburn factory went under before I think yep. Cayman bought them. And the oh, okay. and a local music store bought um, all the parts from the Washburn custom shop. And they're called Funky Monkey Music. I don't know if they're still around, but um, I think they're in Arkansas. And they were just making made-to-order N4s oh, okay. out of all of the parts. So you just um, from you just got the body and you could select because they were just making the neck profile however you wanted, and they put the whatever fretboard material you wanted. So if you wanted a maple fretboard, you could have it. If you wanted a rosewood, okay. ebony. But I got this dark chocolate rosewood, um, which looks awesome. And so nice. for under a thousand dollars delivered because we we're on wow. basically. Um, par with the American dollar at the time, I got okay. an N4. Those were the days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got Grovers on it. It's got, a, um, you know, the Floyd Rose that's on the N4. Uh, and I fitted it with two 
path pros with the push pull pot that came on the end too. Nice. Um, so it's kind of like a hybrid, but it has a Stevens cutaway, and um, it's just not. It's just finished oil finished. There's no. I just said leave it. Okay. Um, so I think they put like a really crappy, hopeless clear coat over the top, which you can see in certain places, but it's so super thin. But yeah, that's um, yeah. I've had the Nuno amp and the Nuno guitar. I had an N2 when I was a kid. Um, it was probably maybe the third or fourth, third guitar, fourth guitar I bought. Um, when I was learning, but yeah, it's, Nuno's had some interesting signature stuff over the years. We had. He had the kind of sort of less poorly kind of the Washburn P4, P4 was yeah. it? Yeah, I remember that one. Oh, but that's uh, it was in his Morning Widows schizophonic, schizophonic S- album when that came out. That those guitars, came yeah, out. schizophonic, and then Morning Widows. He played them a lot, and he was using the Sparkle one with Rihanna um, okay. up until you know his last tour with her. So yeah, yeah. Strange. Yeah. What about the Buckethead signature Gibson Les Paul? Yeah, that could have fit in the, the last kill... episode, actually. The Gibson one, the quirky the, Gibson. Gibson oddities, <laughs> yeah, with the kill switch on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did you have anything else in your list, Matt, or the real Matt? Me? Is that me? Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, then, yeah. The last thing I was going to say it is a bit of a, a quirky one too. It's I know all three of us are into made in Japan guitars, so yeah. I've got a Fernandez. I know you guys got a bunch of a bunch of things. Um, it's the, when I was researching this model because I was buying it from a Japanese auction site. I was digging through all the old Fernandez catalogs, and what I noticed is um, even up until um, definitely in the eighties and maybe into the early nineties, they had these kind of unauthorized signature models. So okay, they would have a. They would have like a Randy Rhodes style guitar. It looked like the Jackson Randy Rhodes with the offset V. And they would call it a Randy Rhodes. Or they'd call it an RR. And they'd have even, um, there was a, a Paul McCartney model, which was like just a copy of a, um, oh, what was it? Like a Rickenbacker, like the bass he was playing in Wings. Mm. Okay. And there were some artists affiliated like Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, but there was, there was other guys like J.K. E. Lee from Ozzy Osbourne's band. He never played a Fernandez. He played Charvel's. But there was the – it looked exactly like the Charvel. It was called the J.K. E. Lee model. So amazing. Like you couldn't do that now, of course. I but think Greco was... did that too, didn't they? Because Greco did the Framptons and the John Sykes yeah. and um, the Ace Freely. That's right. It wasn't that Freelys. long ago, um, Edwards – which is a uh, uh, one of the one of the brands uh, made by ESP. One of the ESP, uh, which is only meant for yeah. the Japanese market. Yeah, you could buy a Stevie Ray Vaughan um, yeah. style Strat with uh, with all the aging. Yeah, you yeah, had a John yeah, Frusciante yeah. Strat. They had a Clapton. I, I I had a Jimmy Page Les Paul Edwards at one yeah, stage. Yeah, right. Did that have all the mini aged... toggles under the pickguard? Because they had two models, didn't they? Didn't they do one with all the mini toggles? Yeah, mine just had the push pull. Yeah, um, okay. Um, um, the yeah, that's ball, right. They uh, did it with uh, that. Uh, pots. Yeah, um, but it was aged. It had the same. It had a. Uh, it had the, the uh, what was it? Seymour Duncan, whatever, in the bridge, and like what you would get. And it was a great guitar. It was uh-huh. a really, really good guitar. So, and that was 
10 years ago? That wasn't that long ago. I think you could yeah, still okay. get them. I think they're you still can making still get them, them, Edwards. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but yeah so. so Edwards, which is which is ESP, but only for the. It's meant to only be for the um, Japanese market. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, crazy times. So you know, people get cranky at Gibson whenever they want to sue some guitar yeah. companies, but you know, in some of these instances. Well, look, their you, slash you, signature you model that. is based on a fake Gibson, right? Yeah, true. Like, <laughs> yeah, correct. So correct. It's hilarious. I guess, I guess, of course, there's the original signature, the original gangster, which is the Les Paul. Mm. Yeah, true, true. Which is kind of weird. You got you got like a a gazillion signature models based on signature, someone else's signature signatures. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's what Fernandez were doing as well. So you know, why not? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> All right, I've got one last thing that I wanna that I wanna uh, as a quirky uh, signature guitar. Mm-hmm. So this is the uh, Music Man, Mr. Horsepower. Do you girls, oh, do girls, do you guys yeah, know the Music yeah. Man, Mr. Horsepower? Yeah, yeah. So it's the Nigel Tufnell signature yeah. guitar. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Twenty-five ever made. Fantastic. Twenty-five ever made. Four humbuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you just want to plug it into the Wiggy amp? Well, that into the Wiggy <laughs> amp that would be the best thing ever. Yeah. So four four humbuckers. And as you select them, I think it's backlit. The one, um, the one that you select is backlit. Perfect. Um, you have a, a, a tachometer uh, which responds to your playing. <laughs> um, it has a Floyd Rose with an eight ball on the end. <laughs> that is the best. And the coolest thing, the fretboard, and it's facing up, so it's facing you. Instead of inlays, it has the names. It's the first fret says F, the third <laughs> fret says G, A, B. So it's got whatever the low the low E note is is a fret inlay. It's facing up towards the player. Oh, I need that, which is just cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's got exhausts, so, uh, four exhaust pipes for one for each pickup. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and flames. So of course, yeah, of course, you have to have flames. flames. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a flame. It looks great. It looks so good. <laughs> so they made. They only ever made twenty five of those. Wow. Um, that went for about five thousand dollars each. Um, at NAMM. But you can buy an uh, Albert Lee and make your own one. Yeah, it's you based could. on the Albert yeah. Lee. So the body shape is the Albert Lee. Um, but it's just yes. <laughs> what is it? Um. Uh. Each of the four pickups has its own toggle switch with working drag strip lights that illuminate when the pickups are on. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, each of them are personally signed by um, Nigel. Uh, it's a, a Music Man Albert Lee body style. Uh, the stainless steel exhausts and hot fuel-proof rubber pickup switches. Uh, the shifter trim arm, specially designed uh, Roadrunner logo on the headstock. Uh, custom, all super custom, truly one of a kind. Uh, it's yeah, it's a cool guitar. Go check, check, look at photos of it if you haven't seen it before. But um, and he does there is some live footage of him using one of them too. Yeah. Um, but just it's just cool, and it's Nigel Tufnell and it's Spinal Tap, super so cool. it doesn't get any cooler Fantastic. than that. All right, so, so I reckon good. before we wrap this up and we do the last viewer question, how about a question without notice? If you, okay. if you put a signature rig together, so one signature guitar into one signature pedal, 
it could be, hey, it could be the Clapton Crossroads pedal. And into one <laughs> signature amp, what would it be? Gogabor. Well, I think we just answered that question, <laughs> didn't we? So <laughs> it, it, would, it would be the Mr. Horsepower. <laughs> into the Miku Stomp. <laughs> through the Digitech Lyra right. into the PV Wiggy. All right. How about you, Matt? Oh, I've got nothing to add up. <laughs> Can't top that. Um, now let's get a. I'll get a Fernandes Paul McCartney bass and I'll run it into a. Uh, I don't know. No, I got nothing. That's great. That's great. I'll 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 just borrow Gabor's <laughs> rig. <laughs> borrow Gabor's rig. You could do a timeshare. Yeah, that's that, I reckon that would be the coolest rig. The the, the Mister Horsepower into the Wiggy. That's just you don't need anything else. I reckon if you tried to get every John Bonamassa signature pedal ever, oh I'm god, sure, surely that'd be quite a signal change. Yeah, absolutely. For someone who for someone who who thinks people who use pedals should practice more, <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of signature pedals. All right, well I'm going to go the Sambora Strat, and oh, and yep. here's one from left field. I'm going to go into the R- Richie Cotson signature Zoom multi effects pedal. Ooh. Oh yeah. yeah, which come on, you can't find them. I keep trying to find one, can't find it. Have you got one of those? There's a John John Five did one too. No, I don't have uh, one of them. No, I, I'm I'm looking. There two I would like to get the John Five one and the Richard yeah. Cotson. Yeah. And then I'm gonna go into the Steve Lukather signature Rivera knucklehead with Ooh. with the sub cabinet. The subs, yeah. yes. The sub cabinet. That's what the lost lobotomous. I think that's it's right. called. So that's my that's my dream signature rig right there. Oh, that's great! Didn't the corn guys use those? Yeah, they yeah. use those. And the bass player wondered what he was doing still in the band. <laughs> I've had a few bass he players just, like does, that. I've wondered why they're still in the band too. He does a clicky. <laughs> he just makes clicky sounds. Yeah, that's right. Oh, there for the click. Click, click, click. Okay, just for enough. the clicks. All right, what's that last oh. viewer question, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for people at this, home, this it's quarter past midnight right now. When I'm recording yeah, this, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and daylight savings just ended. So I think it's is it sort of quarter past one. I yeah. Don't know. Anyway, yeah. this is from Joe Salas. Great, great guy from Victoria. I think Joe is from. I think, but um, Joe's great. Joe asks, do different guitars evoke different performances and emotions, or is it just in the fingers? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I so, definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, because you guys so play I a have, lot of different guitars, so I think you you two are especially good to answer this one. I, ha- I have a little story about that too. So yep. I, I, I teach I teach guitar, and uh, a few years back, um, one of my students almost kind of interned with me. He kind of worked with me and he helped me out and, and um, he was sort of sitting in with a lot of lessons and helped out with a lot of lessons and, and sort of worked with me. And um, I just bought my... Uh, oh, God, everything's falling out. You can just kind of see it there. My uh, 1964 Gibson Melody Maker. Wow, um, nice. Uh, and I brought it into lessons to play it. And he's he's always sitting there with me, right? And I used to always use my same the same carbon guitar for all my lessons back in those days. And I started playing it, and he said he looked at me like. And at the end of the day, after all the lessons, he said, um, "You really played guitar completely different to the way you usually play guitar." Um, and 
it because of that guitar just because and i do wholeheartedly agree with that and especially vintage guitars i think they have a vibe and they have a thing to them that they will make you play differently to the way you usually play um and i do think different guitars but particularly vintage guitars do make you play very differently mm. yeah good one that's just my opinion yeah, I, I wrote down a few things. So, yeah, different guitars definitely make you play differently and I think they evoke unique performances like what Gabor's just said. Um, although I agree tone comes from the fingers, um, so it's going to be a certain character that will run through that. Um, but I know if I, if I play my Esquire, I play that very differently to how I play the Flying V. Um but then again, those guitars are used in different contexts, different songs, so you are playing like slightly different anyway, but it is going to inform your approach to playing. The other thing that influences it is like vibrato tremolo systems. Um, yeah. So like when I use a Bigsby, it sounds completely different to when I use a Floyd Rose or a Fender-style bar, sure. and then that's going to be completely different if you use a stop tail or hard tail. Um, your mm. vibrato is different. Like I might more use vibrato with a Bigsby, but then when I'm using a different guitar, the vibrato is all coming from my hand. So um, I know that I can't play the same um, when I'm switching between wildly different instruments because, yeah, the approach is just completely different. Like you have to play a 335 very differently to how you play a Les Paul. Um mm because there's a different response to your attack um, with the hollow body. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and feeding back and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and then each guitar also you're going to use a different amount of gain. So um, from a Les Paul to a P90 loaded Les Paul. Just full gain with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full fuzz approach. Um, yeah, metal zone on 10. Yeah, no, I changed the gain slightly um, from a humbucker to a P90 because – I probably don't need as much gain with a P90 as I do with a humbucker. It's it's a different kind of crunch sound. So, yeah, I, definitely the guitar informs and evokes different performances, absolutely. But there is that common thread that runs through with the tone of your fingers because it does play a huge part. Like I've had people play my rig and go, oh, it's really dark doesn't sound that dark when I'm listening to you play and I'm like, oh, well, then it's not dark. It's just your hands are dark, you know. Um, so, yeah, it definitely when you plug into other people's rigs, you don't hear it the same way as you hear oh, it from them play. Never. So yeah, there, I think there's an element of truth in both statements really. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm just going to agree with you guys for the for the most part for me i don't play heaps of different guitars so a strat one of my two strats is is home base for me and that's where i feel most comfortable um so if i pick up another guitar like my, my keegan um yeah the response is totally different because the pickups are mm. a bit different so there's the tonal response which i think informs the way you play if, if stuff is sustaining differently um, like the Telecaster bridge pickup has got this really interesting sort of mid-range um, 
little bit of an emphasis, which which is interesting for me. So that that changes things up a bit. And then there's the physicality of the instrument. So again, playing Strat styles for so long, even when I like bend a string, the way I'll push the guitar body, um, and the way my I'll respond to the, mm. the shape of the guitar. Um, mm. I'll often lift a shoulder and I'm pushing the, the the body into somehow with my with my right arm even. Um, all that stuff you can't do that exactly the same on a different shape guitar. So yeah, the physicality is very different as well. Mm. So yeah, I think they I think they all bring out different things. But of course you're still gonna play your same stuff. Um but I think yeah, I think your vocabulary will it's it's still your vocabulary, but you'll just be maybe gently nudged in in different different sort of ways mm. so um which can be really cool so when i say a strat is my home base picking up a different guitar is lots of fun for me um because i'm just considering the instrument perhaps less mm. uh, instinctively in a way which i don't think is a bad thing i'm just thinking about things a little bit differently perhaps mm. cool so the answer is get lots of guitars i think it's yeah exactly it's still okay to get lots of guitars more is more better. <laughs> more is more. All right. Cool. Well, um, thanks, Gabor. This was a cool idea for a show. There's so much signature stuff. I think. Oh, there's a there's ton of there's, there's, I, I had heaps more stuff written down as well. But yeah, I yeah. had Damasio pickups. So I thought they do some uh, really great signature stuff too. Uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And and where does it end? Like picks, strings, straps. Like eventually it morphs from gear into merchandise i guess yeah 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 i had things like the you know the saint vincent music man which is i, I think it's killer oh, guitar amazing, Beautiful, amazing, yeah. and uh you know things like even the ibanez uh, airplane flanger paul Gild yeah paul Gild well, i almost bought oh, yeah. that up when you were talking about weird ibanez things yeah. i sold mine but i can all oh. i know someone who's got one i can borrow no <laughs> true, true. <laughs> all right, all right. Gabor, you're the Hugh Jackman of uh, of guitar. Uh, we can't even explain why you are yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're a quadruple <laughs> threat. Quadruple threat. You're the slashy. Um, where can people find you slashing away? Well, if you want to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> That's a greatest show song, isn't it? Um, if you want to find out more about me and want to listen to me even more, uh, if you're not quite sick of me yet, more Gabor, uh, more Gabor, uh, uh, go and check out the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. All one word on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, of course, because we do YouTube videos. It's myself and my good friend Alex, and we review pedals. Uh, sadly not a Lyra because I don't have one but if anyone out there has a Digitech Lyra they want to sell for normal amounts let me know <clears throat> or a PV Wiggy PV yeah. Wiggy let's do it or a uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Horsepower <laughs> 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 uh, let me know and uh, yeah my people and your people will talk but yes that's where you can find me on uh, the super fun awesome happy time pedal show excellent excellent you know the big, the greatest showman I thought that yeah. was going to be an amp about the Fender amp of the uh, the same name well, I was so disappointed. Yeah, it, and, there was no no amps at all in it. And then there, no Fender Showman. There was a no sequel Fender too Twins. with the Jewel Showman. So you know, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's just getting worse and worse. It was the biggest ripoff since Captain Corelli's mandolin. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus. 
Rob Rhodes, the hardest working man in show business. Well, where can people find out about you? I'll be down by the Nutbush City Limits um, playing some old-time rock and roll and uh, while my guitar gently weeps. Um, Yeah, Road Trip Entertainment, so roadtripent.com. You can find all my gigs and living in the 70s stuff and uh, soon there'll be links to my clothing line by English Laundry Australia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, John Lennon, the John Lennon collection, folks. Check it out. Nice. That's legit. Rob is endorsed, which is super cool. Super, super cool. La-di-da. Uh, <laughs> endorsed, I'd say, oh. partnership. But now my face is all over their Instagram page, which um, is, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very lucky and honoured to be in partnership with them. Thank you. That's great. That's great, man. That's awesome. All right. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the Guitar Speak podcast. Huge thanks to uh, Fretboard Biology as well for for sponsoring the show. They've been doing so for quite a while now. Um, Love those guys, so thank you. Uh, And massive thanks to Gabor and Rob. Guys, thanks for hanging out. It's been a great guitar hang once again. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Look forward to doing it again. And uh, every episode around this time, we like to reflect very carefully on the wise words that Michael Schenker told me way back in episode number 150. And the advice is... Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. All right, I'll catch you next time. Bye now. Bye. Bye.